0: Hello and welcome to Ode to Games. I'm Kevin Vallene, joining alongside just Logan Plant. How you doing, Logan? Good, Kev. It's been a while. I haven't talked to you like all month. Yeah, it's uh, it's been, I think, three weeks? Three since, weeks. Since I last recorded? How, mm-hmm. how was last week without me?
1: That... It was good. Uh, it's the first yeah. time I've ever recorded the video version on my own end, so there were some hiccups there. Of uh, course. But yeah. we got it up, so that was good. Uh, yeah. That's the most important thing. Yep. And... Yeah. <laughs> Now we have Sonic Frontiers news to get to later, which is really exciting. We have a juicy
0: rumor that may or may not be a (laughs) rumor at all, and may just be news that is just just straight up news. So, uh, no, Zach, this week, he is out. Let's get into one of the big things that happened, Splatoon 3. So that is going to be coming out really soon, and it had the Splatfest for everyone to take part in. And Logan, you played... Some of it, how was the Splatfest? How is Splatoon 3 in comparison to the first two? Splatoon 3? I a chance to play it.
1: It's great. I'm very excited for it. That's uh, instantly, there's just quality of life updates and even that you could experience in the Splatfest that are like, man, this is going to be great. The main thing is... Gearing, uh, ganging up with friends before you jump into a match was super easy, and it all happens in this new lobby, right? Uh, so it's a little different for the Splatfest. The theme this time was rock, paper, scissors. I was team paper. Kev, I don't know if you saw the team distributions, but it was kind of crazy. Yeah, wasn't one team zero? Uh, or the,
0: or, the or the scores at the end.
1: Yeah, so the way they score it is popularity gets some points. Uh, Pro Battles, which is actually an interesting thing I'm going to talk about in a bit, gets 15 points, and uh, Team Battles gets 10 points. So there's a, it, 15 points is for the normal battles, I think. So like there's three different ways to score. So if all three teams score in one of the categories, the team that scored the 15-point category wins. Uh, Rock ended up winning the Splatfest, but it was funny because... Rock and Scissors each had like 40% of the people, and then Paper was like 14.5%, and I was in the 14.5% that was on Team Paper. Uh, But it was pretty fun, but the lobby is super cool because now, you remember Kevin Splatoon 2? The lobby is just this it's this menu of choices, right? It's join a turf war. Join your friend who's in a turf war, league battle, ranked battle, these other choices. Now the lobby is a physical space that you can walk around in and you can practice with your weapon in. And you can do this before the match starts. So what you do is you pull out like your cell phone, your, your inkling pulls out, or octoling now, you can be an inkling or octoling at the start of the game, which is very cool. Pulls out their cell phone, they set up a lobby, your friends join, when everyone's in that you want to be in, you say ready to go, and then... It starts matchmaking, and while it's matchmaking, you're just, like, practicing with your weapon in this lobby. And there's walls to climb, there's, t- there's floor that you can paint, there's the little balloon enemies to practice splatting, like... And then when the match starts, it just pops up on your screen. Match starting now, and then it takes you away to the match. And then afterwards, it's like, do you want to keep going? If you say yes, it just plops you back in the lobby with your same group. Or after each match, you can change your gear and continue, and then it plops you back in the lobby. It's just like... It's super awesome cuz remember all you could do in the lobby in Splatoon 2 was mess with the music. It's like wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and now you can actually run around, play with your weapon. There's two new weapon types. There's the splatana, which is like a windshield wiper samurai sword, very cool, and then the bow and arrow. And so I was practicing with those because I used them in the in the turf wars and it was really cool to get a little hands-on time with them outside of the matches. So That's just a huge change like right off the bat that's as big as i think we thought it was going to be it's going to make this way more fluid way more fun to just jump into a match Uh, so i'm i'm really excited about that part of it and then turf war was fun it's turf war like there's a couple new interesting things like launching yourself into the battle remember you don't just spawn at this spawn point anymore you spawn in like this washing machine that's hovering above your spawn zone and then you can launch yourself in anywhere within this like box in the opening area. Or what's really nice is right upon respawn before you even launch yourself in, you can open your map and squid jump to a teammate. So you don't even have to respawn before squid jumping. So you just you just get back into the match way faster than you used to and that's super nice. If you kill all four members of the opposing team, uh, or if your team gets entirely destroyed, uh, a huge, like, wipeout in giant text will appear on the screen, and I thought that was a super cool kind of new feature that lets your team know when, like, now's the time to push ahead, like, there's nobody out here, you just push through now. I thought that was, like, a super nice little change, so, yeah, just a lot of really little things. The, The core gameplay of it, it's still Splatoon, it's still Turf War, it's still very fun, but... These little changes are enough to get... Plus the new maps, which I played, which were very good, uh, are enough to get like 100 more hours out of me in in Splatoon 3. I really liked what I played. It's all it takes to get another 100 hours out of Logan. You add in a lobby
0: yep. where you can practice your weapons <laughs> and let you know when, when the other team's all down for the count.
1: That's how much I like Splatoon. I was even playing some Splatoon 2 this week just because I'm really excited for, for next Friday. Uh, and... I was like, man, why can't I do these things in the lobby in this game? It was just, yeah, it's not great. The new area is huge. Like, the new um, hub area is enormous. Like, it's the city to just walk around. And they didn't have to do that. Like, you don't spend that much time there. And then after you unlock everything once, you basically just jump to everything from the pause menu. But it's it was super fun to just, before the Splatfest started, you could customize your character pick what outfit you want to pick your team and then walk around this area and it's just this like giant city. Like it's really, really big. There's like multiple like levels to walk up to. There's a ton of like alleys and hidden pathways. Like this this game I think is just going to be massive in terms of content. Like from what we saw in the treehouse with the single player campaign, that looks great. We'll talk about that in a minute. This main area is huge. There's more maps that launched than there's ever been. Two years of content. DLC already planned. Like, yeah, I think this is going to be just a massive game in terms of content.
0: Is there actually stuff to discover in the in the world, in it's the city? Like or, not or really. You kind of just
1: like walk down the streets, and it's
0: like, oh, cool
1: there's yeah, um yeah,
0: i get to look at these buildings or something
1: it just means there's more room you know how they're like the the npc characters of other actual real life splatoon players that show up okay. in the hub area. yeah and there's have, like, little, more
0: of those comments or something
1: yeah so it's basically like more posts more social posts that you see that are super funny like you know big man the manta ray like the new the right. new host yeah. that people love like the, the one that was cracking me up the most was like some person who's clearly like Ten years old or younger, like just scrawled out. I wish Big Man was real, and that was just super. Wow. have <laughs> to see walking around. There's another one that was like, if Rock, if Team Rock wins, I'm throwing my switch into a lake. So just like super funny things like that, like so that, that's fun to see. And then you can also like look at their gear sets too, and like buy their gear. Um, so I guess just more more room to do that too. Uh, but yeah, it was super cool. And then the other thing I want to talk about was the pro battle versus the normal battle which is something i really appreciate i have a few people i do play splatoon with my girlfriend's gonna get it my family's gonna get it a few of my friends are gonna get it maybe maybe zach's gonna get it we don't know yet jury's Whoa, out really what uh, doesn't he hate splatoon he always says he does but he's played it like one time like five years <laughs> and one ago one time's
0: enough for him to drop 60 <laughs> bucks on it that's uh, exact
1: like yeah so the pro battle you can only jump into alone so it's like you can't play with friends. So the pro battle is like four strangers that have, with no communication that kind of have to do their best to, to beat the other team. And that's something I really like because that is a mode for me where when I'm not playing with, with my friends, I can jump into that and not have to worry about getting ganged up on against a team that's four full people. Because that will happen sometimes. If you just jump into a turf war in, in Splatoon 2 or 1, uh, you could just get wrecked by the opposite team, which is like four full people that happen to match up together because, you know, it's, it's random if you actually get on a team. It's <laughs> just a mess. But I think it's a super nice option. I'm not sure if it's just for Splatfest or if it's going to be for the whole main game too, but I really like that ability to just be like, I'm playing alone. I only want to play with people that are playing alone. Uh, now that they have the thing where you can group up with your friends and jump into a lobby together, I think it's nice that they have this option for when I don't want to do that uh, and I just want to play by myself because I do do that a lot. We'll just flip on a podcast and, and and play Splatoon for like an hour. So I'm looking forward to that too. But yeah, so the, the pro there there
0: that that's different than the than the ranked mode, yep, pro it, mode and, and ranked mode are different.
1: Yeah, so the ranked is now called Anarchy in Splatoon three, which is an interesting change. But yeah, uh, Anarchy is is like Rainmaker, Splat Zones, Tower Control. It's all the other modes. But then for Turf War itself, it looks like there's going to be Turf War and Turf War Pro, where you just jump in on your own. So okay. I think that's pretty cool. And then I had a new special. My new special, which I'm definitely going to use in the main game, is this shark. It's like this inflatable shark, like you would take into a pool. And your inkling jumps on it and rides it like a horse in a straight line across the map. <laughs> and then at any point in this straight line trajectory, you can explode. And then it just splats at anyone around you. It's, it's super cool. Uh, I was getting some insane numbers i think because i was playing against a lot of people who like i'll try splatoon for the first time yeah. so i hope i didn't ruin anyone's experience because i had matches with like 16 to 20 kills which i've like n- never gotten Oof. before so uh yeah maybe you're turning some people off <laughs> <laughs>
0: hopefully not
1: hopefully not. although i'm
0: sure that there's a bunch of players both who haven't played splatoon before and have played a lot of splatoon so yep that's bound to happen with a bunch of different people yeah
1: mm-hmm. but it's great i'm really excited for next week it's. I think it's shaping up to be pretty great.
0: Let's get into the uh, to the treehouse. So we had a random random treehouse drop with two games that I don't see matching together very well, you know, but they were just together for some reason. So we had Splatoon three and Harvestella, which kind of works out for us because you're the big Splatoon guy and I like Harvestella a lot and I like farming games, so we can uh, yeah. we can attack both of these. But it looked like uh, this was more focused on the single player with a little bit uh, more so on, like, tactics and, and certain things like that later on. What what did you see from uh, from the little
1: glimpse that we got of the, of the story mode? I think it looks like the follow-up to the Octo expansion I was hoping it would be. Splatoon 1 and 2's campaigns feel very similar, and then the Octo expansion, like, it feels completely different. Like, it's way bigger. There's way more variety in the mission type. Like, there's just a lot more there to do. And this looks like that, like... They, they kind of kept a, uh, some of the mechanics from the Octo Expansion, like you have to have a certain number of currency to get into the next level, uh, and if you don't have enough, you can go back to, and, and do a different level, so that's kind of how they gate progression, which worked out in a really interesting way with the non-linear progression of Octo Expansion. And then just the, the hub worlds looked cooler too, like in Splatoon 2, I never finished the original Splatoon 2 campaign, I didn't think it was great. Octo Expansion blew me away. I finished that right away. So, I'm going back and finishing Splatoon 2 right now and like the the hub world is just like very simple, but this was like, man, you're in this like wintry industrial park. It's super it's, it's still basically just like a way to get to the level to hop in, but it just feels like more of a world rather than this is just a level hub, which is kind of the vibe you get in Splatoon 1 and 2. So, that's just a nice change. Uh yeah, I think I think it's going to be pretty cool. A lot of the treehouse Felt like it was for new Splatoon players. Like, it was like, oh, and you can swim up the wall. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know you can swim up the wall. Uh, but, really? That's news to me. But the levels were pretty cool. Uh, they showed one level where you used the the new windshield wiper weapon, the Splatana. And it was pretty cool. Like, how they were sneaking up behind people and, and taking them out like Ghost of Tsushima style. So, yeah, I think it looks really cool. Uh, I'm going to probably finish this one much faster than I'm I'm getting to the Splatoon 2 one here five years later going back to finish that I'm on the last set of levels now the last world so yeah I thought it looked really good Uh, and then yeah they spent a lot of it just in the lobby showing like oh and you gotta charge up your special and then do this and it was just very like if you've never played Splatoon before this is for you not not but I guess that's the audience they're trying to appeal to because if you like Splatoon a lot you're probably buying Splatoon 3 like me so it made sense but yeah, they, it was really just kind of an overview of the whole game, but single player looks good. Octo Expansion is like seriously underrated. Like like Kev, I would even re- recommend it to you, it's not super huge on Splatoon. I don't think you even played the single player of the of Splatoon 2. I didn't I played some of it. Yeah, but like it I is Don't think I got very far. Octo Expansion is 20 bucks or it's on Switch Online Expansion Pack for those of you that have that. It's like a seriously underrated Nintendo campaign. It is so good it's so good and this looks pretty good too sweet
0: yeah yeah i've thought about it a couple of times but i don't know how there's stuff to play lots of other <laughs> there's, stuff there's, to there's play. always something else to play like harvestella right. what'd you see from that like harvestella yeah so a lot of what they were showing off here was was kind of the uh the the dungeon crawling aspect of it they showed off some of the uh some of the farming elements of it um it's it's kind of a uh aesthetic thing but I'm always more of a fan of kind of the smaller plots of of uh, of crops that mm-hmm. you kind of like grow in the area. Whereas here, I think they're much bigger squares, and it seems like they take up a lot more space. I'm not sure if this is just the initial plot that you get, and you can expand it in the future. Um, but it looks like there's a relatively wide range of of crops, which uh, which is cool. But yeah, a lot of it was was on the uh, the dungeon crawling aspect of it. It it, it looks like. What Rune Factory should have been, where you've got kind of these dungeons that that lead you on this path, and you have some some little pathways that you can go off for different rewards and things. And it's it's a lot of they they showed off a lot of the time management. So you have to choose, you know, oh, do I want to to build this ladder down so that I have a shortcut to be able to get back into this dungeon, get back to this point quicker the next time I come back? But it'll mm-hmm. take an hour or two hours. They also showed off that that if you're running through the overworld map, if you're walking between the cities, that takes up more time. So for if you have to run okay. back from a dungeon and you don't have the uh, the item that can just teleport you back home, that's gonna take a bunch more time. Um, so yeah, it looks like a lot of the uh, the dungeons are gonna be based on, on on time management and that sort of thing. Um, so they showed off that uh, they showed off the changes in classes. So they're running with just, I forget what the first class was, but you get, uh, they, they showed up getting the mage class later on. And I'm not, not exactly sure how that's all going to work out because the game, it tells you, Oh, this enemy is very weak to, you know, mage attacks. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. And it allows you to change, uh, change the uh, change to the mage right away there. But if you are just doing it normally, you can only change the jobs at certain points. So hopefully, there's not a lot of backtracking. Either that, or hopefully the enemies aren't too skewed where it's impossible to kill them yeah. if you're not using the correct uh, the correct job class. But you know, looks cool that we have a bunch of different different job classes to choose from, and it looks pretty. Uh, they were showing off some of the some of the sites, even just from your farm or certain areas in the uh, in the dungeon. And it's just a Really nice looking game. The character portraits are really nice too. Shaping up to be really good. I'm looking forward to
1: it. Yeah, it looks like it looks really great. Like, uh, this isn't super my genre, but like, my sister loves these games. You love these games. Like, and so I know a lot about them just kind of through you guys. And this one <laughs> looks really, really good. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like the art style a lot. Um, it has very much that Final Fantasy Square Enix kind of vibe and just watching the gameplay. Like, it's like, Yeah, they they could have, like, called this, like, Final Fantasy Farming, and you would have believed it. Like, it looks just super cool. Yeah, it would fit right into that, or or into one of their other JRPGs. I feel like the only thing from this vertical slice that I saw was it seemed like there was a lot of running back and forth. I know that the the gameplay presenter said they got lost once, so maybe they were just lost trying to find (laughs) the right place to go. But, uh, yeah, I hope that the the area between these overworld areas isn't so large that you spend your whole day uh, kind of running back and forth, but um and that's something like you said with like shortcuts unlocking over time and things like that that could get better to make kind of streamline your your efficiency that's kind of what farming games like this are all about right um so yeah that that'd be my only concern but it seemed like they were playing a pretty early part of the game so that's something that would probably change as you as you got further like even in stardew like i know you unlock like different ways to get to town faster get to the mines faster (laughs) as you go um where Early on, you'll spend most of your day walking all the way from one side of the place to the other,
0: which means that you get a better lay of the land before you figure out. Oh, Mm -hmm. you know, or before you're given the opportunity to just you know teleport or move around to to different places quicker, you learn where where everything is on the map, and then you can teleport, which makes sense. There was one thing that I'm a little bit concerned about. So these games always have stamina stamina bars, and, and you know you always use them when you're farming or you're in combat, but it seems like movement also uses stamina i couldn't tell for sure if it was any movement whatsoever or specifically sprinting mm-hmm. sprinting it makes sense so kind of annoying but if you're losing stamina just by moving around that's kind of annoying yeah <laughs> so yeah. uh hopefully it's not too ridiculous where you're going to be needing to eat food all the time just because you're moving around too much yeah um, I'm, I'm hoping that that's just on sprinting and that it's not It doesn't just tear through your stamina bar because that could get annoying really quick.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. But yeah, other
0: than that, it looked really good. And I am just wondering why they decided to put these two games together. (laughs) Uh You have a first-party Nintendo Splatoon, and then you have third-party Square Enix farming Darvastella, but I'll take it. Yep. (laughs) I'll take it. Just random, random treehouses. Another game that I'm really looking forward to finally has a release date on switch bear and breakfast. If, uh, if you forgot, it uh, got delayed on switch. It's already out on PC. It's been out for a little while, uh, but they had to uh, delay it to just get it feeling right on a controller as compared to a mouse and keyboard. And now it seems like they're ready September 15th.
1: Yeah. They said only be a few weeks, Logan or not right now thinking about it. Not right now. I'm, in the middle of some huge games right now and then splatoon that's six days after so now i'm passing on that i'm uh i'm i've gotten a lot better in recent years of not uh pulling a war groove and buying an indie. i'm interested in knowing i'm not going to touch it for maybe ever so (laughs) i forgot about war (laughs) groove yep so uh, i'll be passing for actually the top indie on my list right now is Curse to golf i don't know if you've been following that one at all Seen a couple of games. That game about looks it. sick. Yeah. That game looks awesome. Uh yeah, a roguelike side-scrolling golf game. So very different than like a golf story, but uh could maybe scratch some of that itch before while we wait. The eternal wait for sports story. It'll never end. <laughs> It'll never end. <laughs> yeah, but this game looks But Yeah, great.
0: um a bit of foreshadowing. One of the one of the games that I thought was gonna take take up a bunch of my time kinda got knocked off the, the list for an extended period Ugh. of time, so I think that uh that baron breakfast will have a a fair amount of time for me because i finished another game in the past week so i think my my schedule could be opening up a little bit for a couple of different games to play so i am looking forward to uh to baron breakfast september 15th on the switch are we are we ready for uh, a big one rumor roundup interrupting interrupting the news the big one is it even a rumor dude i
1: don't think so this is huge sonic frontiers Opening Night Live at Gamescom leaked right before cuz everything does. November 8th. November 8th. We are almost 2 months away from Sonic Frontiers and Kev, this is earlier than I thought it would be. I really uh, thought this what, would be December.
0: What were our predictions? I think all of our predictions were either end of end of November start of yeah. December. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh, this is earlier than any of us called. It is 5 years and 1 day after sonic forces i remember this uh, sonic forces came out november 7 2017 so this is five years and one day after that sonic frontiers (laughs) finally coming out and we also got a new trailer (laughs) i can't believe it did you watch the trailer kevin i did yeah i wouldn't say confirms dead amy but it pretty much confirms that rumor she is, like, in this stasis, like, in this, like, red prism kind of, like, energy prism thing uh, that looks like a lot of the enemies or the or who's looking to be the main villain, uh, who is this mysterious girl we also saw in all the leaks. And the trailer ends with Sonic walking up to, like, Amy, who's, like, locked in this thing. He's like, oh, Amy? And I freaked out because I'm like, I can't believe <laughs> She's dead. it. dead. It's actually Possibly. dead Amy. But... The trailer was really good, Kev. We got some finally confirmation of some new open zone areas beyond just the grassy one. There's like a desert and there's like a plains. Uh, So we now know of at least three. I'm sure there'll be a couple more beyond that. And then we got confirmation of some more uh, 3D levels, just like the classic levels, including Sky Sanctuary, which was just in Generations. I guess that was 11 years ago at this point, but Mm -hmm. it's coming back again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited for this game. I have high hopes. Uh, I know it's going to be better than Forces. The reason, I saw some gameplay um, from some Japanese outlet. I don't remember who it was. And they showed like four different branching paths that you could go on, on like the highway level that they've been showing off. And it's like, man, Forces had none of that. There was like no branching paths in that entire game. So like the levels look a lot deeper. Uh, the sonic felt really horrible in forces like you couldn't really control him at all uh, and it looks like that there's definitely more player autonomy uh, in frontiers like kev yeah, this this is shaping up to be the best thing i'll say at least since generations
0: yeah it, even, even if it's not great I think it'd be it it'd be hard pressed to be worse than than Sonic Forces was just because there was nothing in that game. Yeah. Even if this game isn't that great, at the very least you can run around in these open areas and you know it'll be different, right? Or something, and and Forces right? Forces was you have just no experiences, like experiences
1: at the very least. Forces was just a watered down version of what came before. This is like yeah, like you said, even if there are some issues or some growing pains going into this open zone format, like it's gonna be different. Like it's it's a, really a reinvention for the series and. It's been a long year talking about this game. We've done it for eight months in a row now. Uh, but it's we finally have a date, and I pre-ordered my copy. I pre-ordered from GameStop uh, because there are two different exclusive steelbooks. There's one Ooh. at Best Buy and one at, at GameStop. And that the, checks out. And it's the a the GameStop re- one's better? It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's the Japanese box art. Uh, they're different. It's different box art for Japan and the U.S., and the GameStop okay. steelbook is the Japanese box art, which is pretty cool. So
0: nice yeah yeah i thought it was a good trailer um i mean i am glad that we have the the city level but (laughs) i i watch these trailers and i see levels that i haven't seen before i'm like i have seen those levels (laughs) whether it was yeah you had sky sanctuary or you had the 2d version of green hill zone i think Yep. Uh showing up and then you have the city coming back which which looks really good Mm um but man what i what i would give to to have a have a trailer where you see these new levels It's like wow like here's like three or four different levels that i have not really seen before you got one with the city yeah uh-huh. and that's that's kind of it i guess you have it with the with the open areas um but they're pretty
1: basic but, right they're like right yeah. that, that's
0: kind of all that we've seen from that is a different skin maybe there's different mm-hmm. gameplay elements but from what was showcased here it was basically just showing hey you could be running on sand, or you could be running on grass. Yeah. Just, it just had Sonic running forward, and it changes yeah. changes the environment. So it would be a bigger deal if they showed off radically different uh, traditional Sonic levels. Maybe they're still in there. I don't know. But that is the thing with Sonic. No matter what game it is, got to keep on going back to that well for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know why.
1: I don't know, Kev. I kind of feel like uh, this. this could be the—we have a date. It might be time to uh, retire Rumor Roundup and then talk about this game when it comes out. Because, personally speaking, I don't want to see any more of this thing before I play it. Like, I'm kind of... I don't want to watch more trailers. Uh, I don't want to get spoiled. I felt like Forces showed way too much, and then the game was two well, hours. it didn't help that if so, it showed anything it <laughs> takes away from the two-hour
0: runtime. Uh-huh.
1: So maybe, uh, maybe it's time to, to just uh, press pause until this game comes out, and we'll have the big blowout episode for that in November
0: i thought it already got retired since they weren't (laughs) weren't even (laughs) at a certain point for the past Uh like two months
1: yeah um but like i'm going from the point of reading everything i can about this game to being like all right i'm ready
0: well you've gotten to that point where you've seen enough where you're comfortable enough dropping the money down Mm -hmm. you're not sitting here like what is this game gonna
1: be oh well i'm i would do that for sonic whenever that's this might be foolish But it's just who I am. Oh, it is. (laughs) Very. (laughs) Very foolish. Looks great, though. My main concern, if if this is the last time we're talking about this game for a while, I'm very excited about the exploration. I'm excited about the 3D levels. I think those look very good. Uh, I'm excited about the open world. I think that looks fun uh, to roam around in. The puzzles may be basic, but they probably won't be annoying. Combat is where my main concerns lie at this point because there has not been a single Sonic game That they've tried to infuse deep combat mechanics where it has been fun. Sonic Unleashed is the main one that comes to mind. That is just atrocious. Like, it is just button mashy, no strategy, endless waves. And then Knuckles, in like, or the power character in Sonic Heroes that you have to switch to to just like punch through waves of enemies. (laughs) That's not very fun either. There's a couple other examples, but it's like combat is never very fun in a sonic game and there's going to be a big focus on it this time i'm interested in the pokemon ranger you know trace or a circle around the enemy to kind of stun them that looks kind of interesting uh, but i'm worried it could get old or stale pretty quick we'll see how much we actually have to do it
0: yeah yes sonic sonic's combat at its best is when it's non-intrusive and it's a button press to kill an enemy and then move on and continue going fast yeah whenever they try and slow things down maybe it's not that it's necessarily bad in that moment but that there's just no depth to keep it fun for any length of time where that first that that initial time that you do you're like oh that was fine and then you just
1: have to keep doing it and it loses its luster very quickly i wonder what the runtime of this thing's gonna be probably like 30 hours is what i thought i saw (laughs) it's a pretty long game for sonic that is a pretty long game yeah, and they're not even forcing you to play
0: through <laughs> several different character mm-hmm. paths to get the true ending. It's just so, Sonic. Yeah. I guess here you're you're doing multiple different open world areas, which generally increase the runtime for better or for worse on these things.
1: Yeah.
0: We'll see. Which we'll get into it a little bit later. But yeah. November eighth. That is much sooner than I thought it was gonna be. I was wondering if it was coming out this year, and here we are. It's coming out
1: The day before God, before God of War of <laughs> why is they doing sending it to die <laughs> day before god of war Agnorok. which sealed i won't be playing that on launch i wasn't planning on it anyways i'm also gonna borrow i'm gonna borrow that one from from zach when he's done there with you go. it. go but uh i am not planning on yeah. playing it either oh also uh, pre-ordered <laughs> pre-ordered frontiers on ps5 by the way just in case there's That's... any doubt i'm playing it on ps5 that is the smart decision yep. to make <laughs> I I honestly think that when the, when this game gets cheaper in like a year, I might pick up the Switch version just to see what it's like. Um if, if I like the game. Um because I've done, I did I played that for Forces and for Team Sonic Racing. I played those on both platforms. Um but I got those for free, so uh, we'll see. We'll see if I end up playing Frontiers on Switch as well. 15 I'm, twenty bucks maybe. Yeah. You know, I'm very curious about drop what the game's to gonna be like. See what
0: the experience is for, for yourself. Yeah, I don't know how the yeah. thing's gonna run. But it's coming to last gen. So mm-hmm. Yep. that that says something.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's keep it with PlayStation. Besides the U.S., PS5s <clears throat> are going to be getting more expensive. Seems like it's Whew. the equivalent of about fifty bucks a- across the board in certain territories. So, for example, where I live, luckily I already bought a PS5, but it was about uh, the equivalent of five 500- hundred about $500 after after the exchange rate okay um but it's 550,000 yen and then that's going to bump up to 600,000 yen for the uh for the disc version and i think the digital version got a slightly bigger jump here where it was like yikes 40 how what 43,000 and then that jumps up to just an even 50 it sucks it it really sucks, especially for the people that have been trying to buy this thing for the last year plus or maybe since it came out and they haven't had good luck. And now they're sitting here having to pay more for nothing at it. Yep. It's the exact same console for 50 bucks more. And it hurts even more when you look at the competitors, you look at Switch and you look at Xbox and they have no plans to increase the price. Mm-hmm. And then you just have Sony increasing the price by 50 bucks in all these territories. And you have $70 games now. It's expensive. Just, just, just across the board. It's, it's, it's kind of gross. And when I see the other companies not having to deal with any of that, it, it makes it feel a little bit worse. Yeah. If all of them were like, man, I'm sorry, but you know, we can't be operating with this. like, Okay. But if Sony's the only one doing it, it's like, did you really
1: have to, Oh, we got the cat in.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, did you really have to do this?
1: Yeah, it's like, really. so Oculus just did this, right? The, the MetaQuest, as it's now called, got a price hike uh, like a month ago. And people are like, man, you would never see the console makers do this. And well, here we are. Uh, now one of them is doing it. Uh, and it is pretty gross. It's like, it's it's been kind of a rocky gen so far. And I know there's been world circumstances surrounding all of it. But like, you come off the high of the PlayStation 4, which had like, 100 million units sold, and just some of the greatest games I've ever played, some of the greatest games of all time. And now it's like PS5 has it spent its first two years being extraordinarily hard to find. And then right as it's starting to become easier, uh, I so I write these like commerce articles every weekend for IGN, and the last two weekends, the PS5 has been in stock all weekend on Walmart. It's the Horizon Forbidden West bundle uh, where you get the disc edition, and the the game for like five fifty, I think, um, and so it's even a little cheaper a deal. than that game yeah. would be, right? It's like twenty bucks cheaper than it would be, uh, and that's been available for like the last like fourteen days in a row. So if you wanted a PS five, you've been able to get one. So we're starting to get to the point where anyone who like has been actively searching will probably be getting one in the U S. In other territories, <laughs> that's not the case, and that's the those are the ones being affected by this. So yeah, it sucks. Uh, and you look at the... At, honestly, if I didn't... I'm very glad I have one and you guys have one now at this point. Like, you and Zach, yeah. like you, you squeaked in there and you, <laughs> you got it before this ended up happening. But it's Well, like, yeah, specifically
0: me because I would have to deal with that. You yeah. know, if, if, if Zach hadn't bought one yet, as of now, the U.S. is going to stay at the same price. You wouldn't have to yeah. worry about that. But here, because I didn't want to pay for the exchange
1: rate to get the U.S. version over here and ship it over, I would have yeah. had to deal with that. And I feel like... Here's what I would have done. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you think of this. I feel like I wouldn't have made this announcement, and I would have just been making the bundles and then taking the loss on the software and, like, in these other territories where they raise the price, just sell it for 50 bucks more but include a game and just don't say anything. Just say like, "Yep, yeah, we're we're focusing on making these bundles over the main console, and then sell them for fifty bucks or more." I feel like the look on that is not as bad. Yeah, you're taking a loss on the software, but this is just disgusting. Like, we wouldn't be—I don't think we'd be as mad at it if it was like, "Yeah, in Japan, you're only going to be able to find the God of War Ragnarok bundle this fall, that costs however many yen you said. What was it? Five hundred thousand? Yeah. Six hundred thousand?
0: Fifty. Fifty. Sixty thousand yen. Sixty thousand. 60,000 yen.
1: Yeah, so 60,000 yen. I don't feel like we'd be mad at that. I feel like like, that makes sense. They're just focusing on the bundles. Yeah, you're paying a little more, but you're getting a new game, a $70 game. Like, I don't know. Maybe they don't want to take the loss on the software, but I feel like from a PR perspective, they'd have a lot less egg on their face if they took that route and, uh, and did that with the price.
0: And it... it I, I just wonder what their game plan is here, specifically with the Japanese market because I do not think it's doing particularly well here. And this is not going to help, but this is going to make things worse. One, you have you know, you know, have people struggling to find the thing. Two, you have mm-hmm. the Switch right there, and it has a much more robust library and is more easily accessible, easier to pick up. And handheld's and then you a have huge have deal a in Japan, increase. right? What? I said handheld's a huge deal in Japan, right? Handheld is also yeah. huge. So, I mean, that helps for sure. But, I mean, PS4 was still very popular here mm-hmm. like the, the, the switch has blown everything else out of the water which kind of makes sense with its handheld nature but yeah. ps4 is able to still hold its own very well and sold sold incredibly well here
1: yeah
0: ps5 it, it just seems like they don't they don't care and i think that is <laughs> really short-sighted to focus everything on the u.s market if you're alienating the the japanese market if you're alienating the european market yeah by increasing the price yeah. And I think, it, I think it's an even worse look when you're not doing it across the board. And you have someone across the pond that is like, oh, I don't have to deal with that. Mine's the exact same price. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there like, why do I have to pay 50 or 60 bucks more equivalent for the exact same thing? Why? Yeah. Why do I have to deal with that?
1: Yep, they just didn't do it in the territory they're the most successful in. But they're also pretty successful in Europe. And uh, <laughs> they did it over there. Yeah, it sucks. And Xbox has it's no weird. plans, and Switch, yeah, it's not getting price here. the The like Switch Splatoon Three OLED was like ten bucks more, but it's a special edition, so that I guess makes a little more sense. And it's ten bucks for in addition that most people aren't going to buy. Uh, otherwise, th- right. those prices are consistent across the board as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know what they're doing, and
0: man, I I, I booted up my PS Five recently, um, just because like oh, you know, I I got to finish uh final fantasy 7 integrate i have barely used the thing like i played um rest the uh, astrobot the astros playroom mm-hmm. because that was the packing title i bought horizon and played that and i have played final fantasy 7 integrate that's it yep that is it there are some other games that i want to play you know there's ratchet and clank i want to play ghost but a lot of them are still seventy bucks and I'm just not I'm just not interested in that when I when there's a huge library of switch titles that I can play instead. Yep. I thought that when I bought my PS five I would be playing it at least a little bit more, but I I have barely touched it in the last several months. <laughs> which, I've been which I know happens when a console is new, but I feel like we should be getting to the point where it's where that library is starting to expand out. And maybe maybe that's an issue with the focus on these big blockbuster titles where if you're not super into like if you're for for me i'm i don't really care about god of war ragnarok maybe i'll play it when it's 20 bucks if it ever is because ps5 games don't drop in price as quickly yeah maybe i'll play it if it ever does drop to that point Mm -hmm. but if i don't want to play god of war ragnarok or i don't want to play last of us remastered or you know remade for 70 Mm dollars is that it like generally is that going to be it for me for a
1: while well it's going to change you know you're going to get yakuza 8 sometime soon like that's not going to that's probably a next year right. game uh and then spider-man 2 i assume maybe not for 70 dollars but you'll probably play that at some point uh um, yeah so th- that will change i think that there will be more uh that that will interest you coming up but i know like also with i i feel this way in general about the industry games are games are look too good and take too long to make now. It's just so long between these different franchise installments now that it's like, man, what has Sony first party even done this year? Like Gran Turismo came out, had a ton of microtransaction issues. Uh Horizon came out. That was 5 years after the original. Like this this stuff just takes too long now. It's like these these gaps between I feel like PS4 like What, PlayStation 4 had, like, two... From Naughty Dog, it had three games. It had Uncharted 4, Last of Us 2, and Lost Legacy. And it's like, I can't even fathom that on PS5. And I don't really count The Last of Us Part 1 as, like... Because then you could count Remastered on on the PS4. Like, how many original Naughty Dog games are we going to see on the PlayStation 5? One? Maybe two? Like, maybe a (laughs) cross-gen in 10 years with the PS6? Like... I just feel like it's unsustainable, and that's why they had to hike it to 70s. Like, yeah, Naughty not, not, Dog's only pumping out a product, like, every games, five though. years. So, yeah, I really feel that way. And then, I mean, you look at whatever the heck is going on with Zelda. It's going to be six years between mainline entries by the time that game comes out. Uh, I think, I'll say, I'll throw this out there now. I think this is the month we get a re-reveal. I think it's time. I think we're going to get a direct, or sorry, yeah, September. Uh, I'm still in August when we're recording this. I'm on the last day of August over here. I I just crossed over to September. (laughs) Happy September, Kev. (laughs) Uh, I think you are now in the month where we're going to get a re-reveal of of Zelda. uh, Hopefully in a Nintendo Direct this month. If it's coming out next spring. But it's like six years between that. It's just, man. like I On my other show, we just did a a retrospective on Zelda itself. on, On 3D Zelda games. And it's like, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Wind Waker... Twilight Princess was 1998, 2000, 2002, 2006. So in an eight-year span, you had four games. And now here we are, Breath of the Wild 2017, 2023. That's six years, two games. Like, it's across the entire industry. This stuff just takes forever to come out. And I think it's really been noticeable on the PS5 generation. And then you look at third parties, and they're still making games for last-gen consoles. So it's like, yes, I played Elden Ring on my PS5, but I could have played it on my PlayStation 4. And it wouldn't have been much different. Yeah. I also didn't finish that game. But yeah. Still, Zach (laughs) hasn't been able to help you out? (laughs) No. No, I've been distracted by other stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, that was a rant about this gen. But that's how I've been feeling. Like, I've been living on my Switch. I've been living on it.
0: Yeah, I I, I have been too. PS5. PS5 is my Netflix machine. And on the one hand, I'm sitting here thinking, wow, I spent $500 on a Netflix machine. But on the other hand, I also think now, currently, man, glad I bought it now uh for my Netflix machine instead of having to pay $50 more for it with a Mm -hmm. random game that I want to play every once in a while.
1: Yeah. I do not regret buying my PS5. I don't yeah, regret no, it. I don't
0: I don't regret it either. But
1: there are points
0: where where you do where I I think about it at least a little bit like why is this here?
1: <laughs> I said this last year on this show and I felt like you were like a little like taken aback by it. I was like I don't really play my PS5 that that much, right? When an exclusive comes out I play it, but then I'm on my Xbox for Game Pass and on my Switch. But now as a PS5 owner, you're there too. Like you get it. Yeah. Like it's like When's the next big thing? And maybe Sony's okay with that because their, their franchises are so popular that we bought PS5s for them. Like, if, if a new Uncharted comes out, we'll be there day one. Like, that's a series I'd spend $70 on. It is. And maybe that's enough for them. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I'm sure Sure that
0: this topic won't be going away. I'm sure we'll be talking about this again in the future but the last two years <laughs> they have
1: $10. had a showcase in september that we've walked away very excited from so maybe they'll do that again like last year they announced the kotor remake which is now in shambles
0: <laughs> they announced well and that's and that's the other thing we'll, let, let, we'll bring it into this next yeah. piece. so mafia uh is celebrating its 20th anniversary and they come out and they're saying okay we're working on a new game peace out yep what
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and, and that falls in line with with Kotor and with a bunch of these other titles where you get a a name reveal and that's it.
1: Dragon's dogma just did take, it
0: When these games take so long, even if there is no issues, even if it goes all according to plan and it's out here in three or four years, that's still a long time between when you first announced it and when these thing. games are coming out, it's ridiculous yeah and if you have any issues then it looks even worse because we've known about it for so much longer
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it's time for games to stop doing that especially if you're making it for like ps5 which they surely are i mean you look at a like metroid prime 4 was five five years ago at this point (laughs) uh nintendo will never do that again (laughs) they will never do that again and they shouldn't because it's it's not worth it yeah
0: yeah even if you feel pressured to to announce something at that point man wait at least another six months to a year to have have something something to show even even if it's just a cg trailer with some some story elements or something yeah that could be a little bit weird but at the very least there's something to go off of instead of just a title
1: that's all that opening night live was was uh but hey yeah dead island 2 <laughs> dead island 2 came <laughs>
0: back and they actually had gameplay to show maybe not in the in the real right away but they had mm-hmm. gameplay to show there shout out to that game for <laughs> coming yeah. out of the
1: grave yeah. what
0: seven eight years later 2014
1: uh-huh, i think so
0: wild yeah wild <laughs> i've come to expect that though from a lot of those if if, if jeff Keighley is there doing the showcase i assume that all I'm seeing is a bunch of, uh, of story trailers. And there will be a, drops. there's
1: always a couple good things sprinkled in that make it worth watching or maybe just worth reading about later. But like Sonic Frontiers release, it was there. That was huge for us. And then yep. like uh, lies of P looks super cool. The Pinocchio souls like game. I don't know if you saw that one. That game looks super interesting. Of it. it looks yeah. very good. Uh, yeah, there's a couple others that caught my eye, but we're mostly CG trailers at this point. Uh, <laughs> But yep. yeah, there there was a few there was a few highlights in there. Yeah. He just does too many shows a year because he does, he, does. he does the Summer Games Fest, he does Opening Night Live, and he does the Game Awards, and they're all in the same six-month span. And it's like, how many new things are there Jeff, really to share here? Yeah, one of those could be axed, uh, and I think we'd all be okay. Yeah, because they all feel the same, or mm-hmm. they'll all have overlapping
0: announcements where mm-hmm. it feels like you're watching the same show again with slightly different coats of paint or something (laughs)
1: yeah
0: good old jeff keeley and last little bit so i i I mentioned this a little bit earlier one of my most anticipated games dropped (sighs) and i have not played it and i am not planning on playing it until it gets a heavy price drop one and is heavily patched too saints row is out it reviewed incredibly poorly Mm -hmm. when we're talking about triple a games a seven like if, if you're looking at metacritic 70 across the board that's not good that is not good and last i checked on open critic which i've been using more lately it's a 65 Yikes! which is really bad right. and i've seen some people play it i've seen some reviews of it and one you have a litany of bugs and just other weird glitches and nonsense that you have to deal with at this point, which on the one hand you come to expect from, uh, from a lot of these games, especially with open world games like this, you kind of expect some things to break and eventually that's going to get patched and that will be okay. But it seems like there's still very big problems with the meat of the game. Yep. And that you're just doing the same things over and over again, which is, Really frustrating with the criminal ventures that seemingly the only thing that is different than the rest of the game is insurance fraud, which has been there since the beginning. That has been there since the beginning of Saints Row. And that's always been a fun one. But they've always been able to come up with different cool things to do. And then now it seems like, oh, kill this wave of enemies or drive this car over here and pick this thing up and go back or drive this car and shoot these enemies. And it just seems like you're going to be rinsing and repeating through all of these different criminal ventures. And you are forced to complete some of the criminal ventures to continue on with the story, which is gross and kind of lame. So you have all of that. The gunplay doesn't seem like it's anything to write home about. It's, Seems Basically, a lot of it's performance a game
1: that's, issues too.
0: Their, yeah, yeah. Performance and, and glitches and all that stuff. It, it seems like a game that is stuck in 2013 and or 2014, right around the time that, that Saints Row 4 came out. And that's not good. No. Because that, that stuff is passable a decade ago. But we're here now and you need more to bring to the table. And and they just don't. And I don't know where they go from this iteration of Saints Row. Because when Agents of Mayhem came out and that game flopped, the thought was, okay, well, that sucked. Now you have to go back to Saints Row because that's what you do best. The Say what you will about Saints Row, they're all at least competently made, some of them better than others, and arguably... Most of them are pretty good times. Mm -hmm. So you could go back to that and it would be fine. Now Saints Row comes out and it's kind of a disaster. So what do you do? Really, what do you do? Because if you go and make a sequel to this with the same characters, people don't really like the cast of characters here, which would make it a much tougher sell to go on to the next game in the series with the same cast of characters but I think it would also be weird if you go back to that original cast of characters because they are it because it made sense to remove them because they had basically written themselves into a wall because of like the superpowers because of the superpowers <laughs> and and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. like
1: I, I, I don't what if you just start over with those characters? What if they do Saints Row again a third time or that's just called Saints Row and they bring back what's his name Johnny Gat? Johnny Gat, yeah. the boss, Shondi. I
0: I don't know. I don't know how that would work because yeah. I feel like they they already basically removed that option for themselves with this. Like I guess they could go back and do it. I don't know. I think that's what's most depressing to me about this is I really don't know where Saints Row goes from here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, cuz cool. I don't
0: necessarily want them to continue on with this current iteration but Mm -hmm. i don't think they can go back either and i don't
1: think it would be a smart idea to make an
0: entirely new reboot again Mm -hmm. i don't think that would work either
1: yeah yeah it's disappointing for sure but i don't know people were like very cautious about this game leading up to it and turned out to be right about that yeah, it's, it's disappointing. Uh, I feel like especially since GTA 6 is still nowhere in sight, this was maybe going to be a chance for Sandstrow to capitalize and, and pull in a lot of people that want something to scratch that itch. But you look at this game for 10 seconds running, and you're like, ooh, I don't really want to look at that. <laughs> like, it doesn't look yeah. pleasant to look at even. So, yeah, that's a shame.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it is... It is... Very, very, very depressing as a Saints Row fan. Um, and I am not planning on playing it until it's... I do plan on playing it at some point when it's 10 to $20. bucks. i mm-hmm. will hop in and give it a shot, but there is no way I'm spending $60 on this right now. With yeah. the state that this game is in, there is no way. And it's depressing because I was sitting here thinking it could be my, my game of the year. Even if it wasn't like a masterpiece, if it was great Saints Row, it yeah. could still have been my game of the year. And it and it and it just wasn't, and that's
1: really sad. So, well, what's in the, what's in the running then? What have you played this year? What have
0: I played this year? Uh, Horizon. I have played Live Alive. Mm-hmm. I played Kirby. Mm-hmm. Uh, Strikers. Arceus came out this. Arceus came out this year. Yes, right? it did. And I have played that this year, so that is in the running. I think those are the top ones at this point
1: not strikers. Yeah.
0: Not strikers.
1: <laughs> as
0: as disappointing as Saints Row is, I, Strikers is worse cuz I paid $60 for that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And even if I bought Saints Row, I feel like I would have gotten at least a little bit more time out of it than I than I did with Strikers.
1: Yeah. Okay, but Strikers is a competently made game. Yeah. Yeah. That is true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um but if 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 we're going on on disappointment, it's it's enjoyment to be honest. Yeah. It, yeah, they have problems for different reasons. Yeah. Let's get into our O2 for this week. So this is, this is coming off of Saints Row. Big flop, open worlds. Why don't we talk about open worlds uh, and mm-hmm. some of the games that, that, that we have both played in the open world genre for, for better or for worse. Um, I'm curious uh, for you, Logan, do you remember kind of the initial open world games that, that you played back in the day?
1: Yeah, so here's the thing with me. I've played very few. Because yeah. uh, growing up, I only had Nintendo consoles, and there aren't really open world games on Nintendo consoles. Yeah. So then when we got a 360, when I was in like middle school, that is when I started to dive in a little bit, and I never really liked them. I still don't really like most of them to this day, <laughs> which is why I wanted to talk about them. Because I am discovering a genre of them that I absolutely love, which I've talked a little bit about on the show before. I think when Elden Ring came out like six months ago, so... Uh, it's been a while. We can revisit that discussion a little bit. But I, I played Skyrim a little bit in middle school, but I just dinked around. I didn't do anything. Like, I went to the town hall of chickens. I made everybody really mad there. Uh, I wanted to own that shop that th- this woman runs. So I ran all the way across the world to get married to that woman. And then I ran that shop. But you can't even really run a shop. I was like, 12 years old so i thought i'd be able to run this shop, yeah, yeah. but i could not uh i didn't quite understand the limits of what you could and could not do in this open world uh and that's all i really did in skyrim uh i, I had a similar experience to skyrim maybe i did a little bit more in the story
0: but i had friends that like lost their lives to that game basically mm-hmm. <laughs> like they put in so many hours and i i farted around in it for a while had a little bit of fun but yeah yeah i, I don't know it didn't really grab me
1: and then I guess Minecraft is kind of an open world game. I don't yeah. really... Yeah. It's, I love Minecraft. I mean, it's, it's expansive. Yeah, it's, it's an more... an expansive world. I more call it like a sandbox than like yeah. an open world, I guess. Um, but I love Minecraft. I played that a ton. Uh, but even then, I, I mostly played in like creative mode, I felt like, when I was a kid. And if I did play survival, I let other people kind of do all the dirty work and I just would like do whatever I wanted. Like, I'm going to go build my house while you guys go to the nether or whatever like i just never <laughs> i never really cared about that kind of thing yeah I open world games often stress me out they there's only a few that don't uh they they stress me out when they icon barf on the map i tried to play assassin's creed 3 that's a famous one in my in my God. back catalog because i liked studying the revolutionary war i thought that was a cool time period so i got that in eighth grade hated that game uh just the icon dump i i can't stand it i i hate it when it's like oh you can go do all this side stuff and then the side stuff is a very a varying degree of quality oftentimes not very good and then well, they're all labeled the same, so you can't really tell what's yep. what's actually like quality content and what's complete filler. But then I get total FOMO, and I'm like, I have to do everything, or we will be missing out yeah. on the experience. And then I get burned out, and then I put the game down. Or I beeline the main story, and I'm severely underleveled, and I don't have a good time doing that either. So <laughs> yeah, most open world games I really don't enjoy. Uh, there's there's only a few exceptions, of which I have a list of here. But Kev, what what'd you play early on?
0: I guess Midtown Madness would probably be the first one that I played. I had the original and two on PC and then a friend had Midtown Madness three on Xbox. And I would count that as, as a relatively open world. It gives the original gave you a large map of Chicago that you could just drive around in. And then Midtown Madness two had London and San Francisco. And I think at that age, I was able to have more fun just romping around in these worlds. Mm -hmm. And that was a simpler time too, where just the simple act of having this open area and being able to just cause mayhem and cause traffic jams and all this other stuff was still very novel, you know, in the early 2000s uh, playing these games. So I have very fond memories of those games. And of course they have like racing modes as well and stuff. Um, But yeah, a lot of my early experiences with open worlds came in racing games. So all the Midtown Madness games, and then the other one, uh, Test Drive Unlimited, that one blew me away just for its size of the world. Like you had this entire, like a one-to-one scale of one of the islands in Hawaii and just driving around that at that time was Mm mind-blowing because there's like, no way. Like, it's like, I'm really there. Like I I could get the same experience if I drove around the entirety of the map and be like, you know, I I could actually be there and that's, that's super cool. And, and that game was really fun. I think, I think that was, that was a well put together game and, you know, it had other elements, you know, like buying properties and and buying cars and all that other stuff that, Mm -hmm. that I really enjoyed um, back in the day. So started out with racing games and then, you know, the, the 360 era saints row, of course, I, I still think saints row two was probably my favorite open world in that style Uh, far cry 3 was another one I think that one was new just because that was in a first person perspective a lot of the times when I was playing these games it was you know pulled back third person so I think I remember it for that and of course GTA 5 back then that was I still think about how mind-blowing that game was when that came out and that it could run on the xbox 360 was it's still crazy to me that that game looked as good as it did when it came out and how expansive and detailed the map was Um, and i think at least for me with a lot of these games it's really a matter of areas that you remember if if an open world is good or not like Mm -hmm. I, i think back to to saints row 2 and you could explore through the airport and there was you know, like underground, uh, like piping and stuff that you could go through, and tunnels and things. There were very distinct areas of town. There was like kind of a trailer park home that you could go through and and uh, and explore through, and like a Chinatown and stuff like that. And you know, GTA Five, you have all the different airports in the desert area. You have the the base and some of the air, other areas in the downtown. As long as as long as the maps have something that is memorable that I spent a lot of time in, I can at least say it was an enjoyable enough open world i think back to far cry 3 and i honestly don't remember anything (laughs) in that world i remember having fun with it the gameplay was fun enough uh but i don't particularly remember much of anything in regards to the open world far cry
1: 5 all looked exactly the same it was just like trees yep, mountains that's it (laughs) and like shacks. i remember like flying in a plane a lot with zach but yeah that that game was pretty forgettable. It did not make my list.
0: Yeah. So yeah, those were my formative experiences up through the 360 generation. And then more recently, you know, we have Horizon, of course. I I enjoyed the, the open world of Horizon. It, maybe it's a little bit too big, but I think it was just exploring through these decrepit uh, cities of the old world that I just found really interesting, at least on first run through. Maybe it would be less awe-inspiring going through a second time. But on that initial playthrough, I enjoyed exploring the world and kind of piecing things together. And then Breath of the Wild, that one's more so just for the sandbox that it gives you within its open world. If the game didn't have as malleable of systems in terms of, you know, like the magnesis and hitting hitting the the rocks to be able to launch you in the air, or doing doing all these weird things that you can do in the open world, if it wasn't as malleable like that, uh i don't think it would be anything super special because it is i mean it's got its it's got its moments but it is a very expansive world with a couple of different locations but i think that that world is really helped by the rest of the systems within the game you know of of how you know you could chop down a tree and use that for for fire or yeah get on a rock and and hit it with your sword and launch yourself across the map i i think that that really lends itself well to making that world much more interesting to explore because it gives you options because some of these games don't some of these games are just like hey you're a person that runs
1: (laughs) and that is all you can do
0: yeah i agree one other thing from saints row that i heard that is one design choice that i absolutely hate is just the driving between mission waypoints where you'll start a mission and it's like okay Let's meet at this location. It's like, oh god, that's across the map. So you drive across the map and you talk to the people. And, All right, let's start this mission. And the mission is right where I was originally, so I got to drive oh, man. back to the other side of the map again. That's brutal. <laughs> uh, that's tough. that sort of stuff is, is not is not fun. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: But yeah, the, the, those are some of my experiences in uh, in open worlds. What are I, I'm sure that you can talk about Breath of the Wild and, and some of these other games a little bit too.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, I don't like uh, I don't like checklisty open world games, which I find most of them fall into the category of. So for a long time, I thought I just did not like open world games. But then, really starting kind of with Breath of the Wild came this wave of open world games that weren't checklisty, and instead you really got to decide what you wanted to do. So I didn't find them overwhelming because it's like, yeah, uh, there's not two thousand icons on my map. The exception to that is one I do have on my list that I did enjoy, which is Spider Man which is maybe the most checklisty open-world game you will ever play. But if you kind of a- avoid a lot of the side stuff, it doesn't matter. Um, your level will still be good enough. And so I just played that game linearly and, and really liked it because swinging around that city is fun. So I didn't mind getting from mission to mission across the world because it's just fun to get there. So that's kind of the exception to the the super checklisty one. And then another one that does have a ton of stuff on the map that's pretty overwhelming is, is Forza Horizon 5, but... Again, it's, it's just really fun to do. Uh, so I, I didn't really mind it because it's like I just do enough races until I'm ready to move on. It's not like, oh, I need to grind these boring side missions to level up so I can do the main mission. It's just like, oh, there's ten choices. You need to do four, five of them, uh, and then you'll unlock the next set of things to do. So I really, really enjoyed that game. But then the main open world games are really like Breath of the Wild, as you talked about. I'm playing that right now, actually. Uh, I'm playing that for work. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm working on, I'm kind of doing a, a cleanup project on the the guide for this game for IGN. Uh, so I'm gathering like some screenshots that have been missing the last few years. So uh, I'm just running around that world again. I am way better at it than I was five years ago. I think I've played a lot more like <laughs> combat intensive games um, because it's very different Zelda combat than most other zelda games so i was not very good at it but like the shield countering i'm very good at now i fought a white lionel which i looked it up is the second hardest lionel and i killed it uh and i was like whoa i don't think i did that at all when i played this <laughs> game the first time yeah. through um i'm killing guardians like crazy but they're pretty easy once you have the master sword to kill anyways but yeah so that, that's been super fun just re-exploring that world and yeah i just have memories of like making that flying machine um, where you, like, put the magne- the metal block on top of, like, the minecart and then you magnesis the minecart and then you, like, lift it up. So it's, like, lifting up the block you're standing on, and I flew across the world like that. Just super fun stuff like that is, is awesome. Ghost of Tsushima is another one I really liked um, because you aren't following, like, an icon to your destination. You're following the wind, which I found super enjoyable, and it's just a gorgeous game, too. Like, and-, and the combat is amazing. So I did a lot of side quests just because... Even when the side quest was just kill these waves of enemies, the combat was so much fun for me that I didn't mind doing that. So that open world to me was lifted by its immaculate combat. I still think it's my favorite combat in any game ever, probably. Uh, so yeah, that's that's why I liked that open world is because I didn't mind the combat. Elden Ring, just super amazing world to explore. I, that tells you even less than Breath of the Wild told you. Uh, And I I do find that really enjoyable, even if it's too hard for me to finish. I spent 25 hours in there and really, really loved it. It's just, it's also gorgeous. I love the art style of that game. Um, Yeah, and and super scary. You never know what you're going to find coming around the corner. I guess that's what I love the most is kind of the element of surprise, which I feel like a lot of these games lack. Like, I feel like Horizon Zero Dawn had more of it. I feel like Forbidden West completely lacked any sense of surprise. It's like... Okay, go fight this monster now. You know what it is. You know where it is. Go fight it. I'm like, okay. I would say that there's one segment, the highlight of the game, which is the super cool like city you go to, the underwater section. You know the part I'm talking about. Yeah, That part is super cool and has surprise, but for the most part in that game, I'm like you tell me where everything is on the map. <laughs> it's like even things you have yeah. you're not even close to. It's like, you need to fight a Thunderjaw, you can find it here. You need to fight this, you can find it here. You need a Tallinnick, here's the locations of all of them. And it's like, that game just lacked any surprise for me. I think that's currently my runner for biggest disappointment of the year. I really did not like that game. Anyways, Halo Infinite is like, it's, it's much smaller. I don't know. It's kind of like open area. It's like almost closer to like Pokemon Legends Arceus. Where, like, there's these five distinct areas, but they just all happen to be on the same map. So it feels like an open world. So I'm not sure how I really view that one, but I really, really liked that campaign. And I liked how you went into the traditional Halo levels like Sonic's gonna do. So I'm excited go, for that. yeah, Sonic, open, open zone. Open tonight. zone. And then Bowser's Fury is an open world game. Interesting, interesting pick. <laughs> it is, is it not? It totally is. I don't know, I think it is. I guess yeah, I love it. And I, I loved Bowser's Fury. That game was amazing. Sorry, my cat's messing with my blinds over here. Uh, I think he's hungry. And then the last one on my list, Red Dead Redemption 2, which I'm playing right this now. Is a surprise. And wow, I love this game. It's amazing. I, I love it so much. I played it for like six or seven hours, so I'm still pretty early. I'm playing it with my girlfriend. She's watching me play it, so I don't, I'm not playing it very much. Um, but I, I think this game is super cool. Uh, So I guess this is kind of a bridge into what we've been playing because I've been playing this a lot and it's an awesome game. It all, it's so much about discovery. I thought that I would be annoyed by all of like it's, realistic gameplay elements like how you have to you have to cut your hair you have to brush your horse you have to manage your guns but I don't know I almost find it kind of relaxing in a way like it's just a very slow paced game but I'm only playing it like an hour every couple days so it's not like I'm playing it in these huge Mm -hmm. sessions where I get kind of exhausted by these things I'm playing it in bite-sized chunks and I don't know it's just it's just this very slow paced game and games are often so like overstimulating stimulating this just feels very different because it's not like that. Um, And at the same time, I'm having these adventures and stories that I feel like come as products of the open world games that I really enjoy. Like, I'm just riding along on my horse to my next destination. And there's this dude in the, who's locked up being carried away by the det- these detectives. And he's like, please help me. I'm innocent. I didn't do it. They're locking me up for something I didn't do. So I decide to help him. I lasso the two detectives off of the, the carriage... Uh, and tie him up on the ground. And instantly, there's like six detectives shooting at me because I realize I'm right by a station where they're all at. Of and I'm course. like, well, that was a mistake. <laughs> so I shoot the lock. I let the guy out. He runs away. He's a free man. Uh, but then I had to kill like 10 cops. And then I had a bounty of $125 uh, that I then had, which is a ton of money in that game. $125 is like especially a early on fortune. Uh, and so then I had to go and... Uh, and figure out how to pay that off. So yeah, just fun little stories like that. Um, Like I said, there's no icons on the map except the main missions. And the main missions are just people to talk to. It's like, oh, Dutch wants to talk to you. Go talk to him. And then you talk to him and that kicks off the mission. You can kind of do these in any order. Like I have five different ones to pick from on my map right now. Yeah, I really, really like it. I like the slow pace. I liked the opening in the snow. I know a lot of people criticize that for how long it kind of takes to get going. But I really liked it. It's a nice introduction to the characters. I think it's cool that there's like very little... It's not like this grand hero's journey sweeping adventure, right? It's like very slice of life, which I think is very rare for like a third-person action adventure video game. But it's just like you're getting to know these people. You're living in this camp with them. You're... Oh, this one guy's locked up. He wants help. You go help him. This one guy got into a bar fight. You have to go beat up the guys beating him up at the bar. Just like very almost menial daily tasks but there's something about it that's just really clicking with me right now i think it's really really good
0: yeah i wonder if your thoughts would be a little bit different if uh if you were wanting to play it for like longer stretches of time yeah i wonder if it kind of works a little bit better when it is kind of like a relaxing experience for like an hour instead of Mm -hmm. oh i want to sit down and play this for three or four hours and and maybe it doesn't doesn't hold up to super extended play sessions but if you find a way that that you can really enjoy it i think that's the most important thing
1: yeah it's uh, just yeah just super fun stories has really been the highlight like i killed this giant bear there's like a a king of every huntable animal so there's like a king bear a king elk Uh, Like you can sell its pelt for a ton of money. And one of the first missions in the game is you tracking the king bear with with one of your buddies. And then he's like, he gets scared off and he's like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to head back to camp. You can either hunt this now or you can come back with me. And I'm like, I'll hunt it now. And I see (laughs) it. I shoot it with two shotgun shells. It doesn't die. It charges at me. It tackles me to the ground. And then I think it died of blood loss as it was about to gore into me and then it died on top of me. So I shoot this bear twice, it tackles me, I'm like, oh my god, this is it, this is the end of my life, and then the bear just rolls over dead, and I'm like, that was miraculous. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, it's super fun, uh, and I, I think I like this a lot more than GTA. I played some GTA V. I don't know, I don't really like modern day settings as much for anarchy and and, and shooting up like present day buildings i don't know i just i don't find that super fun for me personally i get why people like it but i much prefer this wild west setting where i can just be this cowboy and 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 do whatever i want i'm trying to be a good man i've messed up a few times but (laughs) i'm trying to be a good man
0: (laughs) give it a shot do your best (laughs) yeah uh
1: yeah kill who you need to like this jerk who was like i was giving him a ride into town and he's like oh man i hate cowboys you're not a cowboy are you and then I killed him. <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't like, have said yeah, that. You shouldn't have said that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, Man, it looks like you've been playing a lot of other stuff, though.
1: I can run through rapidly. I know we're short on time. So.
0: Uh, just... any, any specific highlights? Let's see. The... There's got to be one here. There uh, is
1: There is one I want to talk the one about. one that you're putting
0: in the most amount of time. and The an incredibly long game. And the one that... I was wondering if it was going to hook you because you've tried it before and it didn't work.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll tease that for a second. I'll run through everything else. Splatoon three already talked about. Forts a Hot Wheels this has been fun with Zach. The Quarry, uh, I talked about that a little bit on the last episode with Zach. Right. Really enjoying right. that still. Mm-hmm. Things are taking a turn for the worse. Is all. Have you been losing people yet? <laughs> no, you, we're still going. Someone lost a limb, right? <laughs> but no one has
0: no, lost. no, they're still alive though. They're
1: alive. Uh, they're alive. Uh, and then Splatoon 2 I talked about, and Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. I beat the original, so I've never played Dark Moon, so I'm playing that through with my sister. Uh, we're just playing it at the same time. Don't really like it so far. It is definitely the weakest of the three, uh, which I did hear. It, what I've heard. You haven't played it? No, I have not. I I only recently bought it, and it's with Zach. <laughs> oh, that's I right. I bought
0: a physical copy, and it's yeah. all in America still.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just... EGAD calls you back to the lab, like, every five minutes. You'll go into this mansion you'll like find this gear. And instead of just plugging the gear into the puzzle and turning it, he's like, we need to brush up the gear, come back to the lab. And then it's like mission complete. It's mission based instead of like floor based. Um, so it's Luigi's mansion three struck a nice balance between one and two. It being like, yeah, there's different like levels you complete, but you're not called back to the lab. Like every two seconds, like dark moon. So it's, it's, I still want to see it through uh, because I really like Luigi's mansion, but it's just fine. Uh, but yeah, you want me to talk about my last game next, or do you? Or do you want to? You want to share what you've been playing first?
0: I can go quickly here. All right. um, I'm playing a bit more. Final Fantasy Seven Remake, Integrate. Um, I finished all of the um, Fort Condor stuff. Nice. <laughs> that, was, that was fun. I, I enjoyed Fort Condor a lot. <laughs> so that was a good time. Brings me back to my tower defense roots. And then yeah, it's just been. Uh, been fun back in that combat again it had been a while since i played final fantasy 7 and i this is as fun as it was enjoying the new i'm enjoying the new the the boomerang combat Mm -hmm. that's been that's been a bunch of fun and kind of like the uh the team synergy uh that you can do with certain moves it's been a good time and that game looks gorgeous (laughs) Mm -hmm. super beautiful game yeah not a whole lot on it it's 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 relatively short and i've only put in about like four hours into it so uh but it's fun and it's a reason to boot up my PS5, which at this point is
1: is a nice thing to have. Hey, Rebirth will be another one. That's another game next year. We're yeah. Looking forward to on PS5. Yeah. That is true. Okay. And then Live Alive is done.
0: So remember what was it? Three, three, four weeks ago when we were sitting here saying, Oh, we'll be done by next week and we can do a spoiler cast. Uh-huh.
1: That did not happen. It did not. You're the only one done uh, and with it. I
0: am I'm cur- yeah, currently the only one <laughs> finished with it. Mm-hmm. i wanted to get it done because there are other games that, that i wanted to play and i was very close and it's I, I think it's still a great game the last area is a bit of a slog okay. um, <laughs> now you can choose when to go and fight the final boss it doesn't tell i mean you may get curb stomped uh but it doesn't force you to do a bunch of these different things to get the true ending it does force you to do some things My main issue is with the amount of backtracking that you might have to do for certain characters. So basically, you start out in the final area as one of the characters of of the entire group. And you can go and recruit the other members. But once you reach a team of four, you need to drop off one of the characters for the other character problem is that character goes back to where you originally found them so if you want to have them join back into your party you have to walk all the way back with all of the random encounters to talk to them and then have them join back in and they may have all that all the gear that you put on them and that gear is just currently on them and it's gone because it is on that character yikes so if you are trying to go for all of these different dungeons that require certain characters you're having to run around and go back and forth to grab these characters, do their thing and then go to another character. And it's, it's a little bit exhausting. That's a lot. <laughs> I mean, it gave me reason to level up my characters, which made the, the final bosses uh, a little bit easier, but compared to the rest of the game and the rest of the campaigns that were bite-sized in the most perfect way, where it was just this tight bundle of fun that just kind of ended at the right time for nearly all of them. This one feels really out of place because it is, it is significantly longer and there's a lot more to do. But I think where it struggles is in the backtracking and the fact that it reuses one of the maps. So you've already mm. seen this, this small map already so you know where everything is and you're just going to the same places with a couple of new dungeons here and there so it feels like you're playing the same story again with a new coat of paint i will say that the final section was really cool and the final boss fight was 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 cool and i had a good time once we got to that point but um that last area is a bit of a bit of a slog okay
1: um well i've that to look forward to
0: 25 hours, 25, 26. And I think when I got to that last part, I was at maybe 19, 18 or 19 hours. And I, I specifically tried to do as much as I could to get the best ending. I was looking at guides to make sure I got the mm-hmm. best ending and, and all that other stuff. But I still I would still recommend it, even just for all of the different uh, stories, even if you don't see it through to its conclusion. I think yeah. it's still well worth a play because they're all... You don't need to finish the game necessarily because all of the stories are are condensed to just that. They, they're standalone. Mm-hmm. So you could just play all the campaigns and it's fine. Um, but it was a little bit disappointing that the last area was a bit of a letdown. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Still liked it overall though? Yeah. I, I still had a really good time with it and I would still still recommend it for sure. One all of right. the most unique RPG experiences that I've had.
1: Cool. Should I talk and about my last game? That's been it. Yeah. Let's
0: get into get
1: into this last game before wrapping it up. I know we're running long, so I won't go on too long, but I could there's a lot I could say about this game. I'll we'll talk about it more next week too. I am deep obsessed with Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Oh boy, Kelly. Oh Finally. boy. I am in love with this game. I think I, I still I still don't know if I count an expansion like Sunbreak. Uh, as my in the game of the year conversation. Uh, But if I don't, then this is the front runner right now. Holy cow. I love Xenoblade Chronicles three. So yeah, you know, I tried, I tried X on Wii U was my entry point to the series. I don't know if that was the
0: best one for that. Did not like
1: that game, and then I tried the original, uh, the Defender Edition, and I just couldn't really get into that either. And this is the one that finally hooked me, and I think it's a combination of a lot of things. The story hits the ground running right away. It opens on a battlefield. You're in this war, and it is just going immediately. Uh, right, it's this battle between two nations that have to kill each other to earn each other's like life essence is kind of the the, the crux of the plot um, to charge up their flame clock, but then. This group of main characters basically discovers, hey, you can break these flame clocks and we can kind of free these people from this war. And there's a, there's a lot of layers to it. Uh, eventually, the, the main party is half from one nation, half from the other. So people who are previously at war with each other that now band together as kind of these outlaws from the fugitives from each of their individual nations. That's like the intro to the game. Super Interesting. I really like Noah and Mio. They're the two main characters, the main guy from one nation and the main girl from the other. I think they're both very well voice acted. Uh, the, the woman who voices Mio is actually the, in the the English dub is the same as, um, one of the main characters from Elden Ring that everyone likes. So I found that pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, but the voice acting for those two is very good for the rest of the main party. It is very mixed. Uh, it's, it's okay. Uh, but do They have the very strong Welsh Yes, accents? they do. Yes, they do. Of the, course. You may have seen this on Twitter, but... So, a- after every, like, random combat encounter that you finish, uh, there will be, like, a... Like, one of the characters says something, right? After you finish yep. a combat encounter. And I've seen some of this. In this game, it's... Um, land, one of your party members, Lance, says, It's over already? And then Uni goes, Hear that, Noah. Lance wants something a bit meatier. You will hear that. I've heard that probably three hundred times. <laughs> it's insane how many <laughs> times you'll hear that. So that that's just a little nitpick. But beyond that, the voice acting is all right. Uh, I like the combat. The combat feels very involved, much more so than Xenoblade Chronicles One did. I remember in Definitive Edition, right? You have like the the bar of like different arts that you have to like scroll between and then pick one, which one you pick. Yeah, and. Yeah. This game, it lays it out very nice. You can have up to six arts. Three of them are for your class, and then three of them are for other classes you've mastered. And so then, for the three that are the class you currently have equipped, it is X, Y, and B. So you just press those, and it's, it's it shows up in a little diamond in the corner, and then A is your special that you have to charge up. And then the other ones are up, right, and down on the plus pad. So you aren't scrolling at all. You're just pressing these buttons... And then there's bonuses for pressing them at the right time, which I'm not sure if that's a thing from Xenoblade One, uh, but there's like, I think so. if you press if you press the art right as an auto attack lands, you get like a 20% bonus damage. Oh, so okay. it's like, and then there's like chain arts where you like use two at once, and you have to like press those at the right time. So if you do like auto attack art into chain art into art, you're like doing like this timing that's like super satisfying, almost like a rhythm game. That's really fun to pull off. You can switch characters in battle, which you don't really do when you're out in the field, but when you're in boss battles, if like everybody's dying, I have found that when you are controlling someone, they're more effective than when you let the computer do it. So I will usually actually play healer in boss battles to just keep everybody alive. Uh, And so that's super fun to just rotate between. Yeah, the combat is super good. The world, it's a gorgeous game. The side quests are like fully voice acted. Like... There's these hero quests where... So you have your six main part. It's overwhelming how many people are out on the field, right? Because there's six people on the field plus a seventh hero. So I, I heard in past Xenoblade games, you pick which of your four party members you want out. And then some are benched. Right. Some are, some are on the sidelines, yeah. In this game, everyone's in all the time. All six are out at all times. How it should be. And then... You have a 7th rotating slot, which is a hero. And the heroes are people that you meet along the way that you can recruit. And they bring a new class into the fold, and you can have them out. So you have 7 people. Every time you get a new hero, that's a new option you can pick to have on your team. And then one of your 6 main party members unlocks that class upon recruiting a hero. So you're constantly changing classes. When you get to class level 10, I just rotate everybody's class to build this new setup. I just I find that part super satisfying. The soundtrack is amazing. Like, geez, I might like this more than Dragon Quest. Like, I, this might be my favorite whoa, RPG of whoa. all time by the time it's done. I love this game so much. There's just, everything about it is super good. There's, like, I like the uh, the unique enemies that appear in the overworld, like the bosses. Uh, that, yeah. that are really tough even when you're at or above super their high level. level. Yeah. So that's super cool. I like the enemy design, the world design. There's... Yeah, there's these really kind of nice, quiet moments where Noah and Mio are what are called offseers. They play their flutes that um, sends dead bodies like into the afterlife, basically. And if they aren't, if an offseer doesn't attend to these carcasses, they just lay there and rot. So you have to go up to these these bodies and then like send them off. And that those that's really nice little musical moments. Like, man, everything. I just can't stop playing it. I start at like 10 p.m. and I'll be up till one if I don't stop myself. <laughs> like it. It, yeah this hasn't happened in a while for a game for me i thought Elden ring was that but then i hit a wall but this it's like when i'm not playing about it i'm thinking about playing it like it is it's so good i hear that it really ties into the plot of the first two which is a shame because i'm not Ooh, going back that's good for me <laughs> i'm not going back <laughs> uh i'm just gonna play this game and maybe give the first one a shot after again since it's i proved i can like this series and its world and its characters if I can just get over the gameplay hump of the first one, uh, I, I'm sure I would like it too. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really, really good, Kev. I think it'd be your game of the year if you played it. I do.
0: And now that, now that Saints Row is not, not here, I've considered picking it up a lot more. Once, once Integrate is done, I could, I could see myself playing this alongside maybe Baron Breakfast. And that comes out as kind of like my two games that I hop between.
1: Yeah, you should. It's so maybe it's in a week awesome. or two time,
0: you know, yeah. I'll be, I could be playing this, and, and I'm, gl- I'm glad that you finally
1: enjoyed it. <laughs> enjoyed a Xenoblade game. I know it was it was ri- it was risky to drop another another sixty on this series. Yep, but it finally paid off. I thought it would. I, kind of what I was seeing from this game. I'm like, this just from the trailers and like the Nintendo directs, it was drawing me in more than than kind of the setup to the other one where um, Xenoblade Two. I had like very little interest in at all, <laughs> like from what I've seen of that game. Uh, but <laughs> this one, I think it's the weak one. I really like the character design. That's another issue I had with Xenoblade 2. Very fan service-y in a lot of it's very anime. Yeah, therapy. Not super big on that, but this really has toned that down. It just like it's just a much more mature game from like so for example, in there there's a spa scene very early on where the characters are naked and they're like in this spa together, like bathing after a battle. And it's like the first like anime spa scene I've ever seen where there's like no like blushing or like nude jokes or like weird interactions between the guys and the girls. They're just like, yep, they're a team on the battlefield and then they hit the showers together and then they eat together, and then they go to bed. And it's like it was just like I've never seen that before. I've never seen like a bath scene like Breath that. Fresh air. Yeah, it's like I really like the storytelling. I like all of it. Yeah. It's awesome. Especially the music. Holy cow, the soundtrack the music is always it's, it's so good. It's amazing. Those like There was the end of chapter two. There's a huge boss fight at the end of chapter two. You could have told me it was the final boss with the stakes that they set up and how tough the boss was and the music. I'm like, this could be a final boss in any other game. And this is chapter two. I'm like 10 hours in. Yeah, it's crazy. And there's still hours and hours and hours to go. (laughs) It's crazy. I I hope I see it through. I'm really going to try. I don't want to do the thing where I burn out after too long. Um, because I want to get all the heroes, I want to see who they are because their stories are interesting. Like it's these, it's this cool side content that not only te- teaches you about this new character you've just met, but also develops the main cast a little further. So, yeah, I really don't have any gripes except the cutscenes sometimes are a little long, and it doesn't really warn you when that's going to happen. <laughs> It'll be like a thirty-minute cutscene. Whoa! Like a thirty-minute string of cutscenes uh at the oh, okay. to end a chapter and i shut it i there's loading screens between each little vignette so one night i'm like i can't do this i have to go to bed i shut it down um and i wanted to test it i, I closed the software because i was actually going to go play something else and then i was like i assumed that when you skip a cutscene, it will skip you to that next loading screen and then show the next one no it skips the entire sequence so i had to re-watch like 15 minutes <laughs> <laughs> i would already seen cool. yeah i wish so there was like a warning of when that was going to happen fortunately there's sleep mode so it won't usually be an uh, an issue if you don't if you're not playing something yeah. else in
0: between yeah. yeah
1: but like quick resume on xbox would be super nice for this game Oof. but it yeah. doesn't exist on switch but yeah kev this could be the odie's game of the year if you pick this up and play it because it's awesome i might be picking it up sooner than i thought
0: Live Alive's done. Yeah, is not going to be very long. Saints Row sucks. Yep. All <laughs> right. Be the next one on on the docket for me. That's all I'll say this week. I know we got to go. This was a long yeah. show. I I if I if I if I'm picking it up, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot more about yep about Xenoblade Three as uh, as the year rolls on as we get closer to that odie's end of the year discussion. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, we have run on too long. That's going to do it for us on this week's episode of Ode to Games. We're here on Thursdays or Fridays, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, other podcast streaming services that you may use. We're on YouTube at Ode to Games, so you can check out the video version of the podcast there. We're on Twitter at Ode to Games. You can send an email to otogamescast at gmail.com. For Logan, I'm Kevin. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week.